It's lovely to be here. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Mick, uh, and I'm lay pastor here. Uh, I am not just the comedy relief. Not even the comedy relief. But uh, we're going to speak this morning, or I'm going to speak this morning, about the, uh, uh, the word forgiveness. And I've termed it the F word. Because it is quite a difficult word. This is the uh, fourth sermon in a series which uh, Lisa and Alex have just spoken about. Uh, we've heard Lisa speak about our Father in heaven and hallowed be your name. And she's also spoken about the kingdom and will of God. Alex spoke last week about daily bread. And apparently he really does love tiger bread. So today we're going to explore the F word, forgiveness. And in fact, we're going to do it in three parts because we're, we're traditional Baptists. Three, we've got to have a three-part sermon. So, Richard, we have clicking issues today. So Richard's going to help us out with, the, with the, uh, moving the slides on. So, we're looking at the first point is foundations or fundamentals. Second point being forgiveness and the third point being freedom. So the first point, foundations and fundamentals. Uh, I've got a question for you. Um, does anybody have here with them or at home uh, a Bible that has red text in it? Quite a few of you. Uh, what, does the, what does the red text indicate? The words, words spoken by Jesus. That's right. Words spoken by Jesus himself. And it's, of course, a visual cue to the fact that these words are very, very important. The words spoken by Jesus Christ, God made flesh. So when in Timothy it says all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, then you better believe that the red words spoken by Jesus are super useful for teaching, rebuking, rebuking correcting, and teaching because they are spoken by the creator of the world. The Lord's Prayer was given to us by Jesus himself and it stands alone as a wonderful portion of scripture which uh, I confess that uh, I sometimes trot out and I think we all do, we trot out rather glibly and don't really uh, give it that much concern. Familiarity can breed contempt. So let's look at Slightly about the context in which God gave us these words, which Jesus spoke these words. The Lord's Prayer forms part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And that's a, a tour de force manifesto set forth by Jesus, a political and social revolution. And it would, if we followed it, 
turn a, a culture of greed and power and oppression completely on its head. Jesus speaks truth. He speaks truth into power. He was truth personified, and he was and is the way, the truth, and the life. So when he spoke on that mountainside, he was speaking not just to the people present, but he was speaking to the rulers and authorities of, the, of that age, the Romans and the Jewish authorities. And, he, and these words flow down through the millennia and, and reach us here. He spoke a deeply subversive message about those who would truly be blessed in the face of poverty of spirit and of mourning and meekness. And he spoke about the pure in heart and the peacemakers, not, not the movers and shakers of, of that world. And he spoke a dangerous, countercultural, revolutionary message when he talked about murder and its counterpoint of anger. When he talked about adultery and its counterpoint of lust. And when he talked about vengeance and loving your enemies. In the midst of the sermon, Jesus talks about prayer. And he compares and contrasts the prayers of the hypocrites standing in the street corners and in the synagogues in full view. And he said, that's one way, but the proper way is to go into your room, to close the door and to pray to the unseen Father. The Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer contained within it are foundational and fundamental to the gospel. But just as these were hard words for people in, of that time, they're hard words for us as well. Let's go on to forgiveness. Forgiveness. In Matthew 6, verse 9, it says, Forgive us our debts. Or our sins, as we have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. And at verse 14, it goes on to say, as a postscript almost, a PS, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, what is the, uh, there is a definition of forgiveness. Psychologists, of which I am not one, generally define forgiveness as a conscious and deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards another person or group who's harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. Regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And I can guess, I guess that uh, we can all understand that definition. 
But I'd like to look in some way about what forgiveness is not. So forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin. It's not enabling sin. It's not denying a wrongdoing. It's not waiting for an apology. And it's not forgetting. Forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. It's not a one-time event. Forgiveness is not neglecting natural justice. Forgiveness is not trusting. And forgiveness is not reconciliation. So let's look at those in a little more detail. Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing sin. How often have you heard yourself say to someone who's hurt you, it's okay, it's no big deal, it doesn't matter, when in actual fact, it is a big deal, it is a big deal. It's so big, that lack of forgiveness, that God died for our sins. And I'll repeat that, our sins, each one of us. And we're not just talking about what's been done against us, but what we've done, what we have done. As it says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned, all have gone astray. And I hear many people say, and I hear it all the time, I don't need to be a Christian, I'm a good person, I don't do anything wrong, I haven't done anything. Well, let me tell you, my friends, that that is a lie. We've all sinned. We've all gone astray. But the good news is that God paid the price for our sin. He paid that price on the cross. So to minimize or diminish that sacrifice just won't wash. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. It doesn't enable sin to carry on. There's nothing about forgiveness which says that we should make it possible for the sinner to continue with their patterns of behavior. It's okay. I've forgiven that bully who makes my life a misery. And then, allowing that bully to continue. That is not forgiveness. It may have to include confronting and rebuking the bully and protecting yourself from the abuse. But it does not include enabling. Forgiveness is not Denying a wrongdoing. Pretending that sin never happened. I've just moved on. I didn't let it affect me. You and I know that when we say these things, and we so often do, it's not true. Forgiveness is not 
denying that sin or wrongdoing ever happened. We need to get real. It happened, and let's deal with it. And forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. I'll forgive them as soon as they say sorry. Well, some people will never say sorry. Hell will freeze over before some people will say sorry. Some people will continue to sin against you and will carry on their destructive ways. They'll never confess and they'll never ask for forgiveness. What we can do, what we're called to do, is to take the higher ground. We forgive them before they apologize. Not easy. We forgive them before they apologize. They may never say sorry, but we as followers of Christ are called to forgive first. Forgiveness is not forgetting. And here, I'd like to dispel the myth of forgiving and forgetting. Let me ask you, could you, if you'd been abused or violated or beaten or lied about, could you forget that? Could you forget it? It's impossible. It's not reality. God himself does not forget. He chooses instead to interact with us not on the basis of what sinful acts we've done, but instead he chooses to interact with us on the basis of what Christ did for us on the cross. I'll say that again. God himself does not forget. He chooses not to interact with us on the basis of what we've done but chooses to interact with us on the basis of what Christ did for us on the cross. He chose not to dwell on our past, but instead he looks to a future of our, uh, in a life set free. And forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. The act, the sin, may be forgotten, or forgiven rather. But it's unrealistic to believe that the pain will go away. The definition of, of uh, forgiveness that we talked about earlier, about uh, feelings of resentment and a desire for vengeance when we're sinned against, pain is caused, and over time it may diminish. But just because you are hurting does not mean that you cannot forgive. Forgiveness is not, rather irritatingly, a one-off event. So, this is not saying that uh, if you forgive someone, 
then that's it. It's never going to happen again. That's uh, just not the case. We sometimes need to continually forgive. We might genuinely have to forgive someone, or we might genuinely have forgiven someone, but something comes back and reminds you of the original offence. And you need to forgive them again and again and again. Peter, not Peter, asked Jesus how many times should he forgive? Seven times? And Jesus replied, seven times 70. And uh, in my maths, that's a lot. Seven times 70. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. You can forgive someone who's committed a crime, but that does not absolve them from the consequences of that crime. They will be forgiven in the supernatural realm, but the earthly realm demands justice. And the courts might need to deal with that particular individual. Uh, some years ago, uh, my lovely wife Annie and I and the family went on holiday. And uh, during the holiday, we came back to find that our house had been burgled uh, and uh, property had been taken. We were very distressed, and uh, as, you, as you can imagine. I, as a policeman, I was a policeman for 32 years, uh, got to find out who had done this. And it wasn't long before this particular individual, uh, because uh, in the police station he was a frequent flyer, Came, came into the police station and I had to interview him about a separate matter. So in, in interviewing him, I spoke to him about the offence, la di da di da and then afterwards, when the tape had been turned off, I said to him, now then, Alan, I know that you burgled my house. And, uh, I know that you burgled my house. And I was able with God's power, to say, I forgive you. Um, not sure what effect it had on, on, on Alan. <laughs> he, uh, he continued to unveil himself of the services of the custody suite uh, until he died of an overdose, unfortunately. Poor man. So the offender may need to um, suffer the consequences of the act. But that does not mean that you cannot forgive. Forgiveness is not trusting. There's a saying that trust is built slowly, but lost quickly. The nature of some sin means that trust in the future of that individual is lost. There can be uh, forgiveness 
But the trust that was lost takes an awful lot of building up back up again. And we see this so many times. So often in life, when one party feels betrayed by a particular action, it might be financial or sexual, or might even be gossip. There are so many things where forgiveness is possible, but trust is damaged. Forgiveness, my friends, is not trusting. And finally, forgiveness is not reconciliation. The definition of reconciliation is the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or disagreement. Kiss and make up. It takes two people to be reconciled, to become friendly again. And this might require the mutual acceptance of the hurts that, and the guilt that's been caused. But God wants us to do our best to live at peace with all men. Sometimes that's just not possible. You may forgive. In fact, you must forgive. But that, that act of forgiveness does not mean, does not guarantee that both parties will be reconciled. So the third F, when we've talked about what uh, forgiveness is not, we talk about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is freedom. Freedom for us. Jesus puts forgiveness in the heart of this pattern of prayer. And you could almost lose it in talk about the, f the Father, heaven, kingdom, daily bread and temptation. As I said earlier, we as individuals have all committed sin. And we all have access to forgiveness by God for those sins by means of Christ dying on a cross as a scapegoat. I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, with the concept of a scapegoat, but uh, in Old Testament times, the chief priest would cast the sins of the people onto, literally, a goat. And then that goat would be cast out and uh, symbolically would take those sins out into the world and suffer the consequences, absolving the, uh, the people of their guilt. So, just as Christ acted as the scapegoat for us, we must, must, must forgive those who have sinned against us. He underlines this in the postscript uh, after the actual Lord's Prayer when he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But 
If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That may be somewhat uncomfortable for us. If you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. But, rather than God acting as some sort of harsh celestial bouncer saying uh, and I don't remember posing for that picture by the way (laughs) the uh, celestial bouncer stood there saying no forgiveness no forgiveness for you then God doesn't want to be that harsh celestial bouncer. He wants us to be reconciled to him. The Bible speaks of reconciliation throughout the ages. And he wants us to be reconciled to him because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And sin and lack of forgiveness gets in the way of him having a relationship with you. So he offers us the better way, the more perfect way of forgiveness. We can't ignore this. We're called to, we're instructed to, we're commanded to forgive others. And in doing so, there are some benefits for us. Freedom. And not least of all, is our own forgiveness. But another reason for forgiving others is to keep us from being outsmarted by Satan. When you hold a grudge, you beckon Satan right in. You let him into your head so he can mess it up. When you hold a grudge, you let Satan right in. Another benefits that holding a grudge can be it can be damaging to your physical and mental health. If you can forgive, and I'm not saying that this is an easy thing and we just click our fingers and do it. If you can forgive, the payback is that you get freedom in return. What a gift that would be. These shoeboxes, if we all received a shoebox and we opened it and we received the gift of freedom, wouldn't that be wonderful? It is possible. Sin is something which separates us from God's love and God's presence. And I ask you now, each one of you, do you want that freedom? Do you want the nearness back 
in your relationship with God. So, we are called to forgive. We're called to set those who have sinned. Let me start that again. You're called to set those you have sinned against, who have sinned against you, free. Let them off the hook. Ask God to bless them. And in doing so, you'll be praying the Lord's Prayer from deep within your heart. Now, for some of us, uh, we, will be, we will have sat there thinking, I'm not forgiving Fred. I'm not forgiving X, Y, and Z. This morning, we're going to have an, an opportunity to join in that act of forgiveness. And I want you to be able to do it privately. But corporately, privately. If you see the thing. So, on the table up here, there are some sheets of paper and there are some pens. Uh, if this is an issue that you wish to deal with and that you wish God to deal with this morning, come up Write the name of the person or the circumstance on a piece of paper. Fold it up and rip it up and put it in that bin. A symbolic act of forgiving. And uh, Anne and Julia will pray a blessing on you as you, as you come down from, from doing that. So, no pressure. I just want to see uh, 150 people walking forward. Um, so, perhaps, um, Ella, you might want to tinkle the ivories in a tinkly way. And we'll just spend some time. Let's pray about this matter. Father God, we bring our forgiveness and lack of it before you. We'd ask you to bless us and to treat us gently as we bring these things before you now. Amen.